This is MuggleCast, the Harry Potter podcast discussing everything about J.K. Rowling's wizarding world. Welcome to episode 340 of MuggleCast. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. And I'm Micah. Well, it's been one of those weeks where we're planning something to talk about, (laughs) and then J.K. Rowling pulls the rug out underneath our feet, and we decide to talk about something completely different. In this case, there's been some big Fantastic Beast casting news that we're going to talk about and try to figure out. Everybody's wondering, what is Nicholas Flamel going to do in Fantastic Beast 2? If you haven't heard this news yet, surprise, he's going to be in Fantastic Beast 2. <laughs> Amazing. Yes. Spoiler yes. alert. That's what we're here for. We're your Harry Potter friends. We're the people chilling by the lockers talking about that new news that broke over the weekend on Pottermore. Yeah. And we're also going to talk about the new Prisoner of Azkaban Illustrated Edition, which is now out. Yay. Meanwhile, Cursed Child ticket registration is, you know, it's all up in the air right now. They're looking at our at our registrations, deciding if we're real fans or not. <laughs> I know one of our listeners, Madison, made a been a big post on Instagram with a bunch of photos proving that she is a real fan. She said, Ticketmaster, <laughs> please look. Look, I'm real. Please verify me. I have the, uh, the feeling that given all the tweets that I've made and comments that I've made over the years on this podcast, I, I may not be in line to get tickets on uh, you You've slowly delegitimized yourself as a, a true fan micah you'll be deemed a verified jerk <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't be the first time <laughs> so we'll talk all about all of that and more on today's episode eric we're gearing up for another harry potter trivia night here in chicago yeah we are yeah we are we have Just, one happening uh, tuesday Yep, two days from now, we are going to be stretching our minds and racking our brains. I'm scared. Our for... You're scared? After last, after the last one we went to, they were, the questions we... were just so hard. We got second place, though. Ye- well, no thanks to me. <laughs> well, <laughs> look, there are strong links and weaker links, and Catherine, who was with us, is definitely the strongest out of the group that I've ever seen. Um, is she coming but, back? Uh, yeah, yeah, she'll be there. Oh, all the sisters, God. all the sisters will be there. Andrew feels and, uh, so much better now. I do. <laughs> yeah, it was like okay, I wouldn't have like gotten us a table and stuff if Catherine couldn't make it. Let's just be oh, honest. Okay, good. Is it at the same bar? No, no, no. This is at the so this is at the Davis Theater, um, which is the brand new, newly refurbished uh, Davis Theater, very historic theater. Charlie Chaplin used to play there um, when it was a real, when it was like a performance theater. Now it's a movie theater, and they have this bar called the Carbon Arc, and they're doing they do trivia every week. But uh, so this is like the theater itself runs it. Actually, the person in charge is named Lily. Uh, which is fitting, and she's an HP super fan, so she decided to do Harry Potter trivia. So this is a one-off thing. There's roaming Harry Potter trivia's that happen monthly in Chicago. That like Andrew, the one we went to was um, like Brain Bash trivia, and like they do those often. But this is like a one-off thing. Something tells me that the difficulty will be lower as a result of that. Um, so I, I'm hoping, uh, but it also may mean that uh, we have more competition. So you, well, I was gonna say. 
does that mean you're guaranteeing a first place victory if the competition in terms of the level of uh, difficulty of question is lower in your estimation? I don't know. It, it really depends on what, what got us last time was all those really intense, hard questions being placed in the slots where you have an opportunity mm. for double points. All I can say is, unfortunately, it has sold out already, registrations or pre-registrations. So basically, they just, you know, they take reservations for tables. And if you can't get a table, you can't play. Um, and the Carbon Arc, which is really, really big, uh, has filled up. So, you know, we're, we're just going to have as passionate Harry Potter fans as we always do at these things. Mm. Yeah. All is right, it book well, or movie trivia or both? That remains to be seen. Something honestly tells me it might be movie just because this is a movie theater. Um, but I'm not 100% on that. We'll report back next week, but Andrew, I'm so glad you're coming out. Um, of course. We're well, do this look, I'm trying to make friends here in Chicago. Yeah. And trying to enter my and join some social circles. And Eric is the king of socializing. I mean, he's doing something every day, it seems like. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, no. Yeah, come much. out. Be my friend. Yeah. <laughs> be my friend. Be my friend. Come on. He said, you want to make friends? Come on out. Be my friend. And is it not coincidental that on a Tuesday our story begins and it's a Tuesday that you're going to be out there doing trivia? Very appropriate. Absolutely. This was actually the first um, trivia that I had heard of happening. The other one was was a super surprise. Um, The one that was sponsored by the Potterotica podcast at the – was it the Irish Oak I want to say it's the name of the bar we were at last time. But yeah, so this was the one Andrew and I were originally going to go to to celebrate his moving to Chicago. Yeah. Okay, very good. Speaking of trivia night, at the last one we learned about this new Potterotica podcast. And Eric, speaking of (laughs) being a social animal, you went to their live show? I did. I did. I'm sorry you couldn't join me. (laughs) Yeah, I was busy. We we won uh so as part of our second place uh winnings for the last trivia night, we got tickets to the uh the Potterotica live show, uh which was last Thursday at Chicago Theater Works, which is a really cool venue. And um I just have to say, whatever my expectations were going into this thing, uh knowing that it's a podcast that uh reads erotic Harry Potter fan fiction, um I was not expecting the hilarious, uh, wonderful, creative, public social experience that I got. Um, basically, we walk in, the, the the whole hall is decked out. They have mm-hmm. a kinky Harry Potter photo booth. They have themed <laughs> cocktails, which is really, really hard to do, by the way. Themed cocktails um, at like just some event that you're gonna gonna do. Getting the bartenders to agree to that and like know that and and make good drinks is huge. And this was all set up, and the stage was set up, and basically. Allie, Lindsay, and Danny, who are the hosts of the Potterotica podcast, came out, explained a little bit about what they do, and essentially read Harry Potter fan fiction. But they they comment on it very much like uh, Mystery Science Theater three thousand or or riff tracks on it as cool. it's happening. And there's audience participation because anytime we hear something that we like or dislike, we could sort of vote on it by holding up uh, two different slips of paper. Anyway, it was an absolute blast. And honestly, it, it was real a really unique sense of community when all of these crazy things that happen in Harry Potter fan fiction are being announced and really just fellow adults 
are belly laughing yeah, um, because they are so silly or so erotic or so, you know, it was just the, the, the intersection of Harry Potter and sex is not something I ever thought I would venture into or towards, but it's done with a, a, a beautiful sense of humor and really creative, intelligent people running this show. So, hey, I was blown away. I will be at their next live show, that's for sure. Good stuff. So, um, moving on. <clears throat> moving on to some news now. More about Eric. More about <laughs> Eric, yeah. That's why I'm laughing. So, Eric um, Eric just wanted to note he had a big moment. Um, he got a tweet liked by J.K. Rowling. Congratulations, Eric. We, well, let's talk about this as we talk about the Prisoner of Azkaban Illustrated Edition. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Cursed Child registration has now closed. Hopefully, you registered. If registration was open between October 1st and 5th. We documented it last episode. So now, like I said at the top of the show, they are sorting through all the registrations, seeing who's who's real, who's not, who's a jerk, and emails telling us if we are verified fans slash if we are going to receive a unique registration code are going to be coming in about a week october 16th is that is is that for sure did they say that on the website or something yeah yeah in okay. the email. Cap. yeah yeah okay cool and then tickets fake themselves news. are huh it said fake news fake news and then tickets themselves are actually going to go on sale on October 18th. So anybody who received a unique registration code will be able to grab some tickets. This will be an ongoing thing. We won't know if we've gotten in until two episodes from now. Exactly. Exactly. But it'll be fun. It'll be fun to see how everybody does, how many people actually get (laughs) codes, all that. Yeah. And as we wait for that, the Prisoner of Azkaban Illustrated Edition came out... Last week, this is, for anyone who doesn't know or needs a refresher, two years ago, the books began to be republished in beautiful illustrated editions. So far, we're on a yearly schedule, which is really cool. Um, Jim Kay is illustrating these books. This is, these are published at the same time by Scholastic and Bloomsbury, the U.S. and U.K. publishers. We all got our hands on these new books this week. Eric, it looks like you went through it page by page. I I definitely uh, spent about 30 minutes uh, paging through uh, just to get a, you know, like a general overview. Yeah. Uh, I, I, um, I skimmed through it. I want to read it. I, I want to read this edition. The first two books I did that and I just loved reading it in, in this format yeah. The problem, one of the problems is though, you have to read it at home. These books really are not portable. You, you can't take <laughs> them on planes. You can't take them to coffee shops. Really, <laughs> they're just so I, large. Yeah, I'm sure people will, but like I know what you're saying. They're basically coffee table books. They're the kind of yeah. book you have in your living room, and they're like a centerpiece or focal point for discussion. But they're heavy. You know, I'm holding mine right now, and yeah, it's 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 a whopper. And yeah. this isn't even the this isn't this isn't even one of the bigger Harry Potter books. Yeah, can you imagine what Goblet of Fire is going to look like? And this one is noticeably larger than the first two books. They're uh, going to have to start at least binding them in two parts. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, 
well, we'll see. We'll see what they do. But anyway, um, I, I, I continue to be blown away by Jim Kay's work. I think it's so fun to turn the page and be surprised by a new illustration. Um, I love how the colors of the background and the text will change. So on some pages, like right now, I'm on page 193. It's chapter 13, Gryffindor versus Ravenclaw. It's a black background with a white text. And often that kind of theme reflects a darker mood going on right in, in that part of the story um like they're like um i think when the dementors swoop in towards the end those are black pages with white text yeah, that, as that's, well that's been used successfully i think the death day party is also like that and it really worked with the artwork that they were showing in chamber of secrets mm-hmm. yeah um there's a great illustration of Sirius black in here mm-hmm. this is our first look at him um all the chapter chapter headers have gorgeous art I just, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just love it. What do you think, yeah. Micah? Did you peruse it? I thought you were going to say, did you purchase it? I know you purchased it, didn't you? Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I did. Um, I did look through it, kind of similar to to Eric. You know, went through page by page, see what jumped out at me, and I agree. I mean, I think it's it's a really well illustrated book. It's interesting to see how the author interprets. Uh, certain characters or certain locations, um, you know, they have a, some have like this quirky feel to them. Uh, I'm thinking about the um, greenhouses. There's one uh, depiction yeah. of those, I think, um, and they have like this really weird kind of um, a nightmare before Christmas type feel to them. Yeah, uh, and i I thought the serious depiction was really well done uh Remus as well uh we used that yes. shot in uh our our Twitter post uh, earlier this week asking listeners uh what they thought about the illustrated edition um but overall yeah i I'm gonna keep looking forward to these books uh as they're released over the next couple of years. Lupin looks great and i I love the mood that Jim K will capture like in in this one of Lupin, it's a full page. It's a black and white sketch. He's got his hands in his pockets, and he's kind of looking down at the ground. Like, you can just read his face and read his emotions yeah. in that sketch. And it's, I do... It's, yeah. I was just going to say, I do like the surprises like that, where some of these illustrations are full color, and then others are just a black and white sketch. Yeah. It's funny you should mention Lupin, because there are... I'm I'm so glad there was a portrait of him, <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's it's a good one. But it it takes place six pages from the end of the book, like yeah. it's at the very end when he's packing up to go home. And Prisoner of Azkaban, for my taste, is so much more of a Lupin book that I would have expected more paintings in in terms of quantity of mm-hmm. of you know. M- my second favorite character in the in the Harry Potter series. So, you know, this is basically I I was going through specifically looking for Lupin, and I was very surprised uh, that he only appears twice. And you know, again, having to search the whole book and only finding him at the end um, was was very upsetting. 
Uh, and then the other the other painting mentioned is actually in the Dementor chapter uh, on the Hogwarts Express when it's sort of a reflection of Lupin's face in a mirror as the, as he and Harry are watching the Dementor come in. At least it isn't you know Ginny Weasley scenario where she's not in the book. And by the way, there is a portrait of Ginny Weasley in this book. Um, but it doesn't quite make up for her absence in Chamber of Secrets because it's uh, not a flattering portrait of Ginny, and it's um, just her and her entire family in Egypt. Um, but even that is not really given its full painting um, uh, due, I don't think, because it's it's just sort of a segmented photograph cut off by text in the back of one of these pages. Um, so... You know, I'm I'm still a little at odds at what is being chosen to be painted. Um, it I seems like, yeah, it seems like more of the dark stuff is being adapted. Which that that's exactly what my problem with the Prisoner of Azkaban movie has been too. It's like you're not really focusing on the light that's in these books, like the love. Cause, I mean, while it lasts, uh, I don't see any of this stuff about marauders and animagi running around the grounds of Hogwarts being captured. And unfortunately, I, 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 that's what I choose to remember Prisoner of Azkaban, my favorite book by. Um, I do wonder how many illustrations are in this book. I haven't had a chance to count them yet, but I know the first two had around 100. And since this book is longer, I wonder if there are more. I, I, don't, think there are I more. don't think there are more. Looking through, paging through, I noticed a lot more of like the filler pages that are like, one or two little nuanced things going on in the background. Um, like if you look at page 89, um, it's really cool. It's a white background and there's just a little coffee stain. Um, like somebody set their, set their mug down while, while reading a Harry Potter book and there's a coffee stain on the page. And that's all there is for an entire spread for two pages is but you I know, think a white background. Just to coffee stain. jump in for a second. I mean, I think for that particular page, that's supposed to tie into the chapter title, Right. If you're, uh, if you're reading tea leaves, you need a cup of tea, and <laughs> I don't think it's coffee. I think it's a teacup. See, so it's state. creative. It's clever. Um, but yeah, I've, I just noticed a lot more pages where that goes on than fully illustrated um, pages. And the ones that are illustrated look like James and the Giant Peach or uh, Nightmare Before Christmas Times. You know. So you saw Scabbers, and you tweeted J.K. Rowling. And uh, you you were torn about Scabbers because Scatter, Scabbers slash Peter Pettigrew looks very cute. Yeah. And, so you like him, but you don't want to like him because he's Peter Pettigrew. Yeah, Peter Pettigrew in this book is adorable. Uh, in complete contrast to everything I was saying about the artwork being dark and, and not, I don't know, lovely, uh, Peter Pettigrew is adorable. And you kind of want to pet him and save him and protect him from harm. Uh, you guys, he's he's actually in the he he's got probably the most portraits of any one character in any of these illustrated editions so far. Harry might give him a run for his money, but there's tons of scavers in this book, you guys, and um, he's adorable. So yeah, I tweeted J.K. Rowling having mixed feelings about Peter Pettigrew um, after seeing Jim Kay's take on the man. Uh, hashtag cute traitor illustrated HP, and uh, I found out later that night, although I didn't get a notification, but. Um, I guess it just, I looked for it and found that she had liked, uh, liked the tweet. <laughs> Eric was doing his daily nightly ritual did, where he did sees J.K. Rowling, J.K. Like Rowling any has liked t- any of his tweets. <laughs> 
And finally, his dream came true. <laughs> finally, my so I'm in the club, you guys, because I'm pretty sure. So Andrew, you're in this club. She actually at replied you. Yeah, well, she hates me now, but yeah, there was a time where our relationship was brighter. And, you made her uh, blush. Yeah, I made her blush. It's hanging next to my bed, actually. Yeah, yeah. So I'm totally gonna canvas uh, frame this uh, <laughs> this this screenshot I took of J.K. Rowling liking my tweet. Um, <laughs> so, all right. Well, congratulations mm-hmm. there. That is the illustrated edition. We did get some listener feedback, Micah. What 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 our listeners say? Yeah. So I think uh, for the most part. Uh, positive reviews uh kim doolin said that she loved it my favorite has to be the marauders map pig the owl is the cutest so disagrees with you eric a little bit there as it relates to uh scabbers huh the patronus scenes are beautiful and the hippogriffs are gorgeous there is a great one of um of the hippogriff on it's in haggard's hut yeah on the bed that's that's definitely one of the standout artwork pieces. Um, well, how about the one with? Um, I don't have it open right now, but Harry isn't like like Harry, Hermione, and Buckbeak or something like that. I don't Towards remember. The oh, uh, taking off like the flight. Yeah, I'm trying to I flip s- through. Saw a screenshot of that picture, but I didn't see it when I was flipping through. But I know it's in there. Oh it's, yeah. Okay, I'm I'm seeing that one you guys are talking about. It's Heck. basically a takeoff of the British. Uh, Prisoner of Azkaban cover. Yeah, uh, them on the them on the back of the. It just seems to be from the same angle. Okay, I found it. It's uh, page three eleven. Um, Ten to page three eleven. Yes, page that one. Three, yep. Trying yeah. to get there. That this very, this very much looks like. I actually, if if you look at all the international book covers um, for Prisoner of Azkaban, a whopping majority of them uh, show, showcase the hippogriff. Um, but in particular, this uh, reminds me of the uh, UK children's edition um, mm-hmm. shot, but it's it's obviously more detailed. Mm-hmm. Um, I I would like to see a, a illustrate the art of the illustrated editions book one day. <laughs> like they take out all the illustrated <laughs> illustrated pieces and publish them all in one book. Wouldn't that be pretty cool? Like kind of redundant, no. but no, it wouldn't be cool. I think I would. I would probably. I because because I look at some of this art and I'm just like, I want to hang this on my wall. I want to tear this page out and put it on my wall. You should do it, and then you can take the book back to Barnes and Noble. <laughs> See if they accept it. <laughs> There's also uh, a great shot on page 86 and 87, which is multiple hippogriffs. Okay. All right. But enough about hippogriffs. I was going to say, too, that um, as I was looking through, it reminded me that uh, I was pretty happy that Sir Cadigan made the the cut. That's my favorite. Mm. He's running away uh, in one of the uh, (laughs) one of the illustrations and uh, from his from his horse, from his noble steed. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, So Jed also tweeted in the back third of the book needed a lot of pictures. I was hoping for stuff on the Marauders and the Time Turner scenes. Yeah, there, there are blind spots, is all. As there will be in any of these books, so there has to be a cutting room floor, right? There's got to be illustrations eh. that didn't make the cut. I am actually not too sure about that because he must be so busy working on these that they must decide at a certain point. Okay, all these are happening. Don't put a lot of work in. To the ones right. we know aren't happening, you know what I mean. Right. So maybe he'll do some sketches that just don't go very far. Possible, but these could be included in 
the art of the illustrated editions coming in 2028. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're just continuing to feed scholastic ideas on what they can do to make money moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Inner Dialogue asked the question Is it weird that Parvati got a featured page before Ginny did? <laughs> you know, I, I was actually looking at this. This yes, it's weird, but also Parvati's uh scene here is really badass. Uh it's in the Bogart and the Wardrobe. It's page one oh two all the way through page one oh five, and it's her defeating the mummy, and it's absolutely really, really cool. It's one of the better pieces of art in the book. Another one I like is uh, a, a, a spread or corresponding pages on 196 and 197 of Harry and Cho. Um, they're not together, but it's like a headshot of each of them in Quidditch gear, and and she's with her broom, and that's really cool because like, he's looking at her kind of like, one go ball with me, and she's looking at him like, who are you again? So it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I would look, but this book is too big for my desk. I can barely... I can't See, that's podcast why I don't and browse the book at the same time. That's why I don't clap my hands when we record. It just, it gets, <laughs> just get in the way. <laughs> Juliana um, said the illustrations were beautiful as always, but I wish there were more of them. Yes, 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 but we're never going to be pleased in that department fully, mm-hmm. I don't think. Abigail said, wish the serious Black Wanted poster was included since the artist would have made it look so neat. Plus, it stuck with me as a kid. Hmm. Maybe this is just a random thought I have, but thinking about this and Ginny, maybe he feels like he's trying to feature things that are that aren't seen as much. Because like that wanted poster we see in the theme parks, and it's all over the movie. True. So maybe he just wants to add to the world instead of replacing some things. Yeah, I thought about that, but you get a full two-page thing of Aunt Marge. You get a full two-page thing of uh, Dementor sucking Harry's soul out. Actually, the Dementors are in this book a lot. Well, that's a key. Um, that's a key scene. It is a key scene. You're right. Maybe he's I, into Aunt Marge. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe Snape's in here a couple times, um, which is nice. Yeah. I will say there's a uh, there's a total rabbit hole that you can fall down though. Um, this picture of Sirius Black, which is very very dark on page 257 um, has basically just it's like when the door closes and the trio are looking and black has appeared it's like the big big reveal Um, and it's a photo of him in the shrieking shack against the door and on the wall there's this photo hanging there's this portrait and you know like everything is painted so Jim K has to you know paint even the picture on the wall doing like a picture within a picture thing but it's actually extremely creepy there's like this bird beaked creature with um like a cauldron on its head and like talons and it's mm. actually in this in this instance it's um painting a picture and there's like a rabbit and something else at the bottom what I found out, I was posting this to the MuggleCast patrons Facebook group, and it turns out that it's actually like an homage to the artist Bosch. And one uh, triptych, triptych thing in particular that Bosch did, um, which I'm trying to find the, the title of it, uh, but it's like the Garden of, it's Garden of Delights or something like that, um, has this r- even weirder painting of that same creature and it's very, 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 very dark and weird. Um, but 
I thought it was cool because Jim Kay obviously is like taking this moment to use his artistic license and saying, well, the Shrieking Shack would have a Bosch in it mm-hmm. um, to to do that. So it's sort of like sort of like he did with the the uh, the art that's our cover art for our podcast, where it's Hermione at Hogwarts in front of the door. Yes, there's he drew that especially for our podcast. No, no, I'm, well, Thanks, I'm, Jim. I'm saying, you, you know how there's graffiti on the door? Like, and we're like, wait a minute, that doesn't mesh with my idea of Hogwarts. There wouldn't be graffiti um, on the door. It's like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just remember that Sirius is, you know, an escaped, wanted mass murderer at the time. He's not supposed to be this character that's painted uh, in a very charming, um, cavalier type of light. And he's not the person that we come to really like in in subsequent books. So if you were thinking of an escaped prisoner, I think the illustration that Jim Kay makes is definitely one that's appropriate. Sure. But but two pages later, when Lupin is recounting how they were all friends and became Animagi together, why don't you have a really nice flashback photo of yeah. that then to ca- as a counterbalance? All I'm saying is there's so much darkness in this world. The new Fantastic Beast movie is only going to get darker. Like, you know, showcase the light when you can, mm. damn it. Mm-hmm. So All right. that's what I want. So just to on. wrap up these uh, responses that we got over on Twitter, Kayla said, I wish there was more of Lupin, especially during the scene post-Shrieking Shack. Also, not mm. a lot of time-turner action, so she agrees with Jed. Uh, Four Kinds of Rice said, I feel morally opposed to any version of the books besides the original U.S. covers, but the drawings look really tasteful and nice. And Nicole rounds us out saying, spectacular illustrations, Jim K brings the world of Harry Potter to life. And that's a good note to e- end on. I think, I think that's what I love about these. He's bringing the books to life in a way that Scholastic and Bloomsbury and J.K. Rowling fully support. These are remarkable adaptations, additions, if you will. I know so many people are reading these to their kids for the first time because it's a great way to introduce kids to the world. I love it. I love it. These are good weapons, by the way. Like, if you had this on a plane <laughs> and, God forbid, somebody, like, you know, was trying to hijack it or something, you could kill somebody with this Prisoner of Azkaban book. Yes, if I have to be bludgeoned to death, I hope it's with my favorite Harry Potter book. Um, <laughs> so- I'm flying on, th- on uh, Friday the 13th. So I think that would be a good day to bring my Prisoner of Azkaban book on the plane, just in case. You never know. <laughs> it's page uh, 74, by the way, with Sir Cadogan running from his steed. I love it. And that's another example of just getting, including something you don't, somebody you don't see in the movies as much. Yeah. Look, that's light. I love it. Give me more yeah. of that. Okay. So, we wanted to talk about this Fantastic Beast casting news that occurred a few days ago. This came out of nowhere. Po- um, the production did a good job keeping this a secret. Normally, this type of thing comes out via one of these Hollywood trades like Deadline or The Hollywood Reporter. But Pottermore announced a slew of new castings, and there's two big headlines here. First, Nicholas Flamel is going to be in... Fantastic Beast 2. Wow. He is going to be played by Brontis Jodorowsky. Um, not a big actor. If you look at this guy, I can see him playing Nicholas Fumel. Sure. Why not? 
And why not? A sl- slew of other characters were announced, but we don't really know anything about them. We'll get to the characters. There's one Eric has fallen in love with immediately, and you'll instantly know why. <laughs> no. But the other big headline here was that um, the actress Jessica Williams, who was a Daily Show correspondent, is going to be in the movie. We don't know who exactly she is playing, but it was very interesting and surprising because Jessica Williams has made no secret of how big of a Harry Potter fan she is. Funnily enough, her and J.K. Rowling first bonded over the Sims video game. Hmm. And they they kind of they started talking on Twitter about the Sims and um uh Jessica Williams told this whole story on ep- an episode of Stephen Colbert's late night show earlier this year. So they bonded over the Sims. Jessica Williams was also talking about how big of a Harry Potter fan she is. She's diehard. When she finally met J.K. Rowling, she was freaking out. Like, Jessica Williams is the type of person, it would not surprise me if she visited MuggleNet back when she was a kid. Because, like, she is just a true Harry Potter fan like Ivana Lynch. She's 28 years old, by the way. Oh, wow. So, So she was cast in this new movie... And it must involve, it must be thanks to how big of a fan she is. I feel like her and J.K. Rowling instantly hit it off, which is just so cool. Became friends. And then maybe Je- uh, and then maybe J.K. Rowling was writing this movie and she was like, hmm, I could see Jessica Williams in this role. <laughs> so I bet she brought it to the producers and they were probably like super into it. So anyway, we don't know about her, but we know who she's playing but we know a couple other characters first of all eric are you sitting down there's a character named spielman what eric's nickname has always been spieler man mm-hmm. so he couldn't believe this this is just <laughs> eric's week i mean first the tweet <laughs> and now he's getting a cast member named after him i don't i don't know i think it's probably a polish surname but um i'll take it and then there's a character named Micah. I'm sensing a trend here. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> not Actually, yet. We don't know. We don't know if uh, not yet. And we don't. We have to go back to New York in the 20s for that. Mm. Um, I think very old-fashioned, cool name. Uh, we get. I, we don't know if Spielman is a good guy or a bad guy. So I guess <laughs> I hope. I hope he's not like a a very evil dude. I think J.K. Rowling could have. There goes the uh, Prisoner of Azkaban illustrated edition. If you just heard something, hit it the just floor. fall. I heard that. Yeah. <laughs> This uh, is, it actually went through the floor. It's now on the floor below. That's floor how uh, below. heavy it is. Heavy it is. Yeah, it's like exactly. A grand uh, piano. But what I was gonna say is the the actor's name that's playing Spielman, Wolf Roth. I mean, that that's almost like a Death Eater name right there. Wolf mm. Roth. Yeah. Uh, uh, is your Prisoner of Azkaban book okay? Yeah. No, it's fine. It. I should actually take a picture of how it landed. It actually landed spine up. Oh. So clearly, okay. it protects itself. It has yeah, the its book own is, the book is fine. You can't charm. say the same for the floor it landed on, <laughs> yeah. or the or the plaster on the ceiling below just <laughs> shattered. And... <laughs> so these other new characters. There's one named Bunty. She's played by Victoria Yates. There's one named Torquil Travers, played by Derek Riddle. Rosier, played by Poppy Corby Tooch. Arnold Guzman. Played by Cornell S. John. And then Jessica Williams, we don't know who she's playing. And then um, along with her, 
She was grouped with a na- with an actress named Fiona Glasscott. So huh. maybe those two are going to have roles together. And then we're also finding out this week that Carmen Ijogo, who played Serafina Pickery, the head of Makuza, is going to be in Fantastic Beasts 2. She revealed it via an Instagram post. She's back in the makeup chair. And she said it's for Fantastic Beasts. So Makuza's president is heading over to Europe where the second film is set. Cool. I guess. It's it's funny to me, though, how, and I think we discussed this last time around, how Pottermore can't reveal because they don't know the roles that Jessica Williams or Fiona Glasgow are going to be playing. It's It's TBD at this point. Oh, yeah. They're only the messenger. They can't ever possibly tell us. It's... <laughs> The site run by Warner Brothers and J.K. Rowling has no clue. Well, I, th- I, I think to reveal their names would be a bit of a spoiler. I'm guessing that they are playing Lestranges. Hmm. Because Jessica Williams is a black woman, and so is... I mean, I mean, okay. Uh, oh, two black people. They have to be related, Andrew? What the hell are you talking about? No, I just think that if they're not revealing her name either, I think there's there's probably a spoiler there and they want to keep it under wraps. Because otherwise, why not? If it's a random character named Bunty, it doesn't matter if they're revealing the name. But they're, <laughs> but, but Jessica Williams is playing a sig- who's a significant, well-known actress, is joining this. And we don't know her name, and we're going to be knowing more about who's what. I'm forgetting her. Zoe first Kravitz. Name. Zoe Kravitz, but what's um, Lita Lestrange? Lita Lestrange. Yeah. We're going to be knowing Lita Lestrange is playing a bigger role in this new movie. Involves Newt. Her and Newt have a r- romantic relationship, presumably. Um, something's going on there. The world of Lita the strange is going to open up. And I think Jessica Williams is going to be involved there somehow. Yeah. Getting back to Micah's point on Pottermore. This is the very first part of that article. It says new characters and cast members have been announced for the new fantastic beasts story. I'm like, wait, but you're doing the announcing. (laughs) Like they're like, this is again, it's written like a, like a Harry Potter news website that isn't the provider of said news. It's like Pottermore is just so jealous that they weren't MuggleNet back in the day that they're trying to make up for it now. No, I'm just saying, like, if you're making the announcement, don't say things have been announced. Say we are announcing. We are proud to announce. Don't use right. the passive voice. All right. Like, right. it just it's it's confusing, if nothing else, because this whole article, it's like a thousand words. I read it looking for a source. And then I'm like, wait a minute. I'm on Pottermore.com. This is the source. Why are source they pretending me. like they aren't the ones breaking this news? I don't get it. Yeah. Mm hmm. Well, I I think, you know, in the casting that that we got, there's quite a bit to talk about. I know we'll probably start off with Nicholas Flamel, but also uh, Travers and Rosier are Mm. are two very well-known Death Eater names from the Harry Potter series. And so there's a bunch of questions for us to ask there. Are they distant relatives? Uh, Are they perhaps one and the same in certain cases, depending on how old these characters are? Uh, that would put them right about at the right age for the Harry Potter series to be Voldemort's Death Eaters. So interesting. Well, let's let's pull that thread. Uh, we have research here in the doc about who Travers and Rosier were. Let's talk about them first, actually. 
Okay. Okay. Well, I wanted to start with the with the question though. If you have these two characters and there's known lineage in their family of of being Death Eaters from the Harry Potter series, what would the equivalent of Grindelwald era Death Eaters be called? You know, are we assuming that they align yeah. themselves with Grindelwald just given their dark history? Are they perhaps friends of the Lestranges? I feel like yes, they are going to tie into the Lestrange family somehow. Um, mm-hmm. I, d- I don't know how, but I'm also trying to think about like, when did the death eaters first form as a group? I, I just, I, yeah, I, I'm troubled by the question, uh, because I don't want to be like, Oh, it's bad family, bad eggs. Da, 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 yeah, da. We don't well, know. I think that's what it's going to be, right? It has yeah, to be. Probably. Cause why else would they? I'm seeing here that Death Eaters, they they go back as early as the first Wizarding War, mm-hmm. which would be what this series, Fantastic Beasts film series, is leading up to. Um, so I think uh, what we may see are the early roots of Death Eaters forming. Maybe they're trying to band together, but they're unsure what to be or who to follow. I think by first Wizarding War, I think they mean the one against Voldemort in the 80s. Because Voldemort had two wars centered around him. The right. first was when he first rose to power, and the second was the Battle of Hogwarts. No, right. But but the first Wizarding War kind of goes back to the first one. Is uh, goes back to the one we're leading to in Fantastic Beasts, aren't we? That's the Second World War. But yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. It's confusing. I, I don't think Grindelwald would have Death Eaters, but I definitely think like he would have prominent followers or... These families, the Traverse and the Rosier people, um, are probably of a like mind as their children will be one day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, that's even in uh, Fantastic Beasts, isn't it Queenie that, that knows just from the name Lestrange that there's something off about that family? There's something potentially evil about that family. So I agree with Andrew, this could be laying the groundwork uh, with Travers and Rosier for. Uh, future um, movies where where we learn more and more about them and they become integral to Grindelwald's plans. And, and maybe in that, you know, we are leading up to uh, the rise of Voldemort at some point. Uh, does he tap into these families to, to use them uh, in, in the years to come? Yeah. Because if Tom Riddle started meeting with who would eventually become... Death Eaters at Hogwarts. That was in the forties. Yeah. Because yep. he was a student. Yeah, absolutely. So, and and just to give like quick bios here, uh, and ties into what you said, Andrew, uh, in in the Potter era, uh Evan Rosier is known for uh number one, taking a chunk of Mad Eye Moody's nose with him to the grave. So he is no longer alive uh as of Sorcerer's Stone, right? Um, mm-hmm. But uh, he is mentioned by Dumbledore in Half-Blood Prince uh, as a close friend of Voldemort's. So it is possible uh, that this Evan Rosier was um, the person who went to school with Tom and eventually you know, was fighting alongside him uh, during during sort of the the rise to power that, that he had. Interesting. I can just see a, a, a consortium of these fiendish families 
that are conspiring to bring real evil to like this and subjugation of muggles to the widespread you know world mm-hmm. um, yeah like they they're plotting maybe it's like not even happening with Grindelwald um but it's happening alongside or we're shown that Evans and Rosier and a couple other you know like-minded families are really trying to build and find a, a dictator or a, um you know a master right i think we're going to see tom riddle at some point in these movies now in yeah. light of these death eaters and who knows it could be this one but they just want to keep it a surprise well i mean he'd be a baby he'd be 6 months old um he's born okay on... so maybe it's a little too early but yeah yeah but i i think i think you're 100% right that this inclusion of Death Eater family names into Fantastic Beasts is very much a course alignment with eventually meeting Voldemort one day. Right. Um, I agree. And and Rosier is also uh, mentioned notably in, in both book, but also in the Goblet of Fire movie by Karkaroff during the, the interrogation scene, um, not re- oh, right. recognizing the fact that... Uh, he has already been killed by Mad-Eye, so... Avan, Rosier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, what about Travers? So Travers uh, is known for uh, killing Marlene McKinnon, uh, being cursed by Kingsley in the Battle of the Seven Potters. Uh, he tries to catch Harry at the Lovegood home in Deathly Hallows. Uh, he is imperious by Harry uh, during the break into Gringotts. Uh, he ends up dueling Parvati Patil in the Battle of Hogwarts. So he is very much around in the Harry Potter series and um, probably shows up more than we would have expected him to thanks to the uh, HP lexicon for all this information. But uh, Travers is definitely uh, somebody to keep an eye on in Fantastic Beasts too. Yeah, also uh, Ticketmaster has proclaimed that he is a verified jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, okay, so, yeah. So, so let's talk Nicholas Flamel. Yes. When I the saw his picture, I said Alfonso Cuarón has been cast in Fantastic Beasts too. <laughs> I, oh, Was yeah, I the I only one? They, they cast the most hair. interesting man in the world. Yeah. Yes, he looks like that beer guy, doesn't he? <laughs> what are you referring to, Eric? For anybody who doesn't know, uh, Dos Equis marketing man. <laughs> Stay thirsty, used, my friends. Used to be, yeah, the Stay Thirsty guy, the old guy. Um, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They've replaced him since. Yeah, yeah. It's like a. It's either. I think it's a young guy. I think it's like an Ivy League thirty-something now guy. But so Nicholas Flamel, who of course is Pottermore, says mentioned, but I mean he has a pretty prominent role in Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be in Fantastic Beasts in some capacity. We don't know if he's going to be a major player. I feel like he's not going to be major. But for anyone who doesn't know, this guy who also existed in the real world um, or in real outside of the Harry Potter world um, is known in the wizarding world as an alchemist who discovered the elixir of life. And that's what Voldemort was after. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so how could he tie into Fantastic Beasts? Presumably Grindelwald might be after the Elixir of Life? I question whether or not the plot would be so, like, repetitive. Like, uh, Mm -hmm. movie one or, like, if Fantastic Beasts one was an intro, 
Then the next film, he's going to go after the Sorcerer's Stone. Then the next film, Grindelwald's going to try and open the Chamber of Secrets. Then, the, you know, like, <laughs> I, I, I want that very much not to be what happens. But I, I think that several people have pointed out um, that this, the film's announced setting of being in Paris um, and Nicolas Flamel is a Frenchman. Um, mm-hmm. That it, we may, it may just be that we are on the turf of this guy who is prominent and he's certainly we know this if nothing else he is an ally of Dumbledore's so it might be that um Dumbledore has a mission for Newt this is just speculation here has a mission for Newt uh having to do with France or maybe they're tracking Grindelwald to France and Dumbledore tells Queenie and Tina and Newt to hang out and sort of have like a safe house uh with his buddy Nicholas who he you know worked in on with Alchemy <laughs> He's like the Aberforth of the yeah. movies. Got a safe yeah. house somewhere, like a, like just a safe house. And so maybe maybe it's a brief scene where our quartet, including Jacob, um, meet this six hundred and twenty year old guy um, and his wife Perinel, um in the countryside. I like that idea. Could just be that. Yeah. The I, other. I think option. it's more involved than that. I, I don't think. Yeah. I think he'll play a major role in the movie. I hope it's not well, to the extent because, as you mentioned, and, and even Madison on Twitter, you mentioned her earlier. Uh, she said, "Could Grindelwald want the elixir of life?" That feels a little repetitive. So let's hope it's something grander. Right. I, I agree. I, I don't think you can go down the road of creating the exact same storyline over again because it's way too repetitive. Uh, if you're looking back on Sorcerer's Stone, and I hope that it does have some sort of conclusion though that would at least tie into sorcerer's stone because i feel like now we're we're getting to the point where the worlds are merging together uh, a little bit more and i feel like as the films progress we'll have a better understanding more and more i think we've heard that from david haben and david yates mm. i think this is another way to do that it's it's also a way to bring in those potter fans who may not have had yeah. as much of an interest in Fantastic Beasts at the at the outset, right? You're starting more and more to include things from the world that we know into the world that we don't. And mm-hmm. I think that the the Sorcerer's Stone, Nicholas Flamel, is just another way to do that. Well, yeah. speaking of it being repetitive, though, we already know the Deathly Hallows are huge in these movies um, because the Deathly Hallows, like that symbol was Grindelwald's symbol. Um, and he's using the legend of the Elder Wand, and he wants the Elder Wand, and actually gets the Elder Wand. We're going to see Dumbledore's wand from the future Harry Potter films in Grindelwald's hands if they do it right. Um, in the next, within the next few movies, he achieves the Elder Wand, and it just, um, you know, it, it's it's already going to be tying into Harry Potter in a huge way with the Deathly Hallows. Now we have Nicholas Flamel. Who again? Interesting story, as you pointed out, Andrew. Real life sort of character from British lore. J.K. Mm-hmm. Rowling chose a real life, I guess, legend to base her fant- fantasy series off of, which was clever. But I never expected to see him in a film. And now we're going to actually have to meet this six hundred plus year old man. I love the idea. I'm not sure what it means, but I think it has something to do with alchemy. Well- I yeah. I also I just feel like there's a connection here between the Deathly Hallows and the 
elixir of life. These both give you immense power, extraordinary power. So what if Grindelwald is somehow considering the elixir of life in addition to the Deathly Hallows? Grindelwald doesn't strike me. I've said this before. Like there's a key difference, I hope, between Dumbledore or sorry, between Voldemort and Grindelwald, which is that Voldemort wants to live forever and never die. So the Sorcerer's Stone and the Unbeatable Wand and everything else seem perfect for him. But Grindelwald, I don't think Grindelwald is interested in, like, splitting his soul, per se. Maybe he wants the elixir so that he, like, is indestructible and can't be def- – like, I, I buy that sort of. But then you have a movie that's totally about the Sorcerer's Stone. So instead it's Newt Scamander in the Sorcerer's Stone instead of Harry Potter. That's Fantastic Beast too. That's what the title is going to be. Yeah, Newt's, Newt's Commander in the Sorcerer's Stone. Um, <laughs> yeah, or Philosophers. But that's just – oh, that's neither here nor there. I think it's – it's possible he's after the elixir, but I hope that Grindelwald ultimately tries to achieve his power in a satisfyingly different way to how Voldemort tried to achieve power, because otherwise J.K. Rowling is totally repeating herself, and that's exact. we talked about this last week, that's the one thing she doesn't want to do, she wants to be creatively new and refreshed and tell completely new stories, so yeah. why is she creating villains that are going after the same uh, objects as the mm-hmm. other villain that she's already and- written? And getting back to including Harry Potter characters, I, I think each movie, we're going to have a bone thrown to us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This might be the bone yeah. of Fantastic Beast 2, Nicholas Flamel. Because a lot of people got really excited about well, this, even though he's not really like a major Dumbledore, let's not, let's not forget about oh, him. Of course. I mean. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Duh. But, but Dumbledore is going to be in the entire series, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Okay, so maybe there will be multiple bones in well, each Well, we know movie that we know that Flamel is... can't die. Whatever happens to him, he can't die because he's still yeah. alive um, in Harry's first year of Hogwarts. <laughs> True. I, I do France. like the fact, though, that he serves some purpose to whatever the mission is that, that Newt is being tasked with in the second film and that he can help him along the way. Perhaps the elixir of life is needed to save a particular beast. Who knows? To I, save I, Jacob. Yeah. That's Jacob will live possible. forever now. <laughs> mm. wouldn't uh, that be crazy <laughs> um, I, I, yeah I, I think I think alchemy will have something to do with it like Flamel is an alchemist and this is people who study the uh, properties of metal and the transference of one metal into another the philosopher's stone also changes um, anything into gold uh, anything it touches into gold you know this this work the famous Witches and Wizards card uh, that Harry reads off of, of Dumbledore's um, talks about Dumbledore's work in alchemy with Nicholas Flamel. There's got to be other magical discoveries that they have made. I mean, none as important necessarily as the stone for Nicholas Flamel, that which allows him to even meet Dumbledore, considering he was born 400 years before Dumbledore. But... um you know, I, I think that there are probably other discoveries, I hope, to be found or to be had that Flamel is aware of and helps our heroes out. Let's go through this listener feedback. Micah, would you like to read these? Sure. Um, heard from Lyndon, who says, Perhaps the later films will show Nicholas Flamel giving the stone to Dumbledore slash create a great transition to Sorcerer's Stone. Mm-hmm. Definitely possible. Uh, Kevin Entwistle says, I bet the Niffler tries to steal the Philosopher's Stone. <laughs> uh, our good friend, 
Kyle, who was on the show a couple of weeks ago, the Hufflepuff teacher. I'm guessing he is on some sort of council to provide guidance to the ministry or Hogwarts staff. I love that idea that he is sort of just uh, an advisor because who wouldn't want a 400-year-old wizard who's, uh, you know, prolonged his life using magic to advise them how to proceed with their lives? Mm-hmm. Julianne Flume, uh, somehow I don't think we will have a second villain seeking the Philosopher's Stone. Maybe he will save someone from dying with the elixir of life. Ooh. Kind of like Phoenix Tears at the very last minute. Aaron Hernandez, Albus probably attempts to use the stone to revive Ariana. Oh. Oh, interesting. Well, that's the other thing. is I, I was talking about with the friend and... My friend confused the Sorcerer's Stone with the Resurrection Stone. Um, that's not what this listener is doing because I think they just mean, you know, like if you if Ariana's death scene occurs in this movie, Albus is going to call up Flamel to get him to hmm. to try and you know. But save it would her. be a flashback if that scene is in this movie. Yeah, I think we've talked about like Ariana's death probably already occurred based on the ages that they're said to have been. In Deathly Hallows, the book. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Samantha Divis, uh, he was, quote, Dumbledore's partner on the Chocolate Frog cards. Maybe he leaves Flamel for Grindelwald. Can't wait to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Tension. Tension. A couple of people uh, theorized that, uh, but it appears Nicholas is a very happily married to his wife, Paranel. Hey, if you want love triangles, read more or listen to more of that Potterotica podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then finally, Maddie says, Newt is researching a rare beast whose feather or something is a key ingredient in the elixir. Flamel will help locate the beast. Mm. Uh, Here's why I like this. It has to eventually come back to beasts. If this is going to be the Fantastic Beasts quintology, it should have something to do with beasts, and these announcements excite me so much. But I really wonder, like, movie two now has so much, dare I say even, too much going on with it. Remember, we're still a go- lot. We're going to meet Newt's brother. We're going to find out what Newt's family life was like, or at least his relationship with his brother. Grindelwald is going to be escaping. Credence is still around, and that's confirmed, so we got to, like... This movie needs to make time for Credence, uh, in addition to Dumbledore, in addition to probably going back to Hogwarts, in addition to whatever Grindelwald is up to or the main plot of the movie that takes them to France. And now Nicholas Flamel is in town. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking that as well, because looking at just this character announcement on a whole, this casting announcement on a whole, there's like six or seven people who just joined. It's like, where's the, where's there going to be time for all this? And mm-hmm. I, I, it wouldn't surprise and me if a year... don't forget the circus. Yeah, the circus. The circus. It wouldn't surprise me if a year and a half from now, we're looking back at some of these casting announcements being like, oh, remember when they said this person was going to be in the movie? Where were they? Where were they? They probably got cut out, like I, like Theseus. Yeah. Well, the circus. Number oh, one. And the Lita stuff. Remember all the Lita stuff. We have to figure out everything that happened between Lita and Newt whether it's in flashbacks or not, and Lita Lestrange is going to have a growing role in these films as well. So much stuff. But you know what? I yeah. did remember when you were just talking about that. Like We thought that the um, the newspaper people would have a huge role, right? The um, What are their names? John Voight's character and Shaw, the Shaws. Yeah. Right? Like, that's four or five actors that were announced, and it's like, oh, my God, Henry Shaw and his son and his other son. And we're like... 
you know, they, I think you were right, Andrew, in suggesting too that some of like the Death Eaters, like they'd be grouped together. Like some of these mm-hmm. characters would be part of Lita's story because that has to be a big, um, you know, focus of the film so far as we know. Like, I think that's correct. Much in the you, way that the Shaws a- and all of the, um, what is it, the Mary Lou Barebones, all the Barebones family too. Like they barely have any lines, but there's four or five other actors uh, as well that that were announced in advance. So, and, yeah. so these new characters could be the Shaws and Barebones of these future films. Where, yeah, like, like they siblings. Play as, yeah. Right, siblings, and I just mean like they have a significant amount of screen time, but they're done by the end of this movie. Yeah. Um, but you know what this means? If there are so many characters and they have to keep cutting things, they just need to add more movies. (laughs) I guess this is honestly a, we're, I'm tickled. It's an embarrassment of riches, as they say, that movie two seems to be so packed with plot or whatever. Like clearly they're not hurting for places to go with the story. Yeah. Um, there's very clearly a, firm like interesting direction i hope it doesn't get too far away from the beasts again what i like about these movies is the beautiful magical creatures and newt's love for them very hufflepuff um you know and the four main characters remember we also need to have time to advance tina so that we like tina more oh yeah i almost forgot about all these other characters and queenie (laughs) and jacob what's jacob gonna do in the middle of all these wizards like it's crazy. But, I, you know, I like the lighter side of these movies. I think they'll still find time to find humor. Um, but, yeah, it's just going to be insane. And now I know I, why there are five films and not When three. I started writing these five films, <laughs> I only imagined five. And then as I continued writing, the story expanded and grew and grew in my head. And now we need 15 films to complete the story that I wish to tell. What about Warner Brothers is like, oh my god, yes, yes, and we're all like, oh my god, no, no, fifteen, no. (laughs) Well, I think uh, we can probably wrap up this discussion. There was one other question, uh, and Andrew, you kind of touched on it earlier when you were talking about uh, Serafina Pickery, but we were wondering for quite some time whether or not she was going to actually return in Fantastic Beasts Two. We know. Grindelwald is going to break out, presumably at the beginning of the film. Will her yep. appearance be short-lived? I think we did the math. She's still alive for like, unle- unless Fantastic Beasts 2 is set two years from the first one. It's not. It's only going to be like six months. Um, I think then Serafina is still alive when Grindelwald breaks out. Like, he doesn't break out and kill her to, like, escape. Well, the timeline-wise, though, you're saying she's still in office. She's in office. It's it's short-lived. She's in office for, like, another year, but it's only another year, and we don't know if she dies and that's why she leaves office, but I think at least it's safe to say, based on the math, that she will survive Grindelwald's escape from jail. So her role in this film could be anything. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, we still have lots to get to today. So let's keep moving here. Mm. On last week's episode, I did this impromptu Harry Potter Encyclopedia the Musical. It was a hit, got lots of great tweets 
I'm always pleased when Didn't I make somebody people... say they would stop supporting us on Patreon if you <laughs> kept doing it. Yes, but there was just one of those though. There was oh, like okay. ten very positive tweets. People enjoyed it very much. So I decided to return with part two. Everybody has purchased their tickets now, <laughs> and uh, we're really upgrading the production. I'm gonna play a little music to go along with part two. Oh my two. god! And just like the last one, I'm completely winging this. So bear with me. As you remember, last episode, we ended on F, I believe. Fred is dead. (laughs) Ended on a low note. So we'll continue now with G. G is for George. The brother of Fred, who died in Deathly Hollows. H. For Harry? No. Hugo. I'm totally off beat, but that's okay. Hugo. Didn't get enough screen time. I is for Ignotus, the wisest of the Peveril brothers. The invisibility cloak. So helpful to Harry. (laughs) This is going terribly. (laughs) J is for Joe Rowling. The creator of the series. And K is for Crumb. Victor Crumb. Hermione loves him, but he doesn't feel the same way. Sorry, Crumb. (laughs) Wow, this is so bad. It's just you picked a downbeat. You picked like a really like slow movie. Yeah. Keep What's going. You're fu- doing you're doing it great. You're crushing. Well, thank it. you. I'm trying to feel Oh, this one could work. L is for Luna. Luna Love Good was played by Ivana Lynch. She was a listener of the series of the podcast. And M, I've just decided this musical is canceled. It's going really badly. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for turning out. Thank you for your support. I'll I'll return to workshopping this play, and I'll produce something better what, for HP next week. Encyclopedia the Musical by Jack Thorne and John Tiffany. Yes, yes. I mean, it sounds like Jack Thorne and John Tiffany wrote this. It's just so bad. It has no beat. It has Actually, no I theme. wrote those uh, those later letters. You did. <laughs> I'm blaming you. Thank you. Um, yeah, but I for Ignotus is, I think, a masterstroke. It's very... It's very that is good, because I couldn't think of one. I think that's where I gave up. Yeah. And I was like, oh, nope, he was the smartest. <laughs> Lucky it wasn't Cadmus, because you had already done C. Let me see what people over on Patreon are saying. 
Uh, <laughs> uh, looks no. like we've just lost 10 more subscriptions. You're right, Micah. I told you, but I mean, it started out good. It just, like you said, it just wasn't it's, the same flow as last week. You know, I think it was yeah. the fact that it was new, it was different, and um, you know, you surprised us all with your, your ability to sing. Yeah. And I don't well, know. Well, that shouldn't be a surprise. It comes out every once in a while. It does. My ability right. to swing, sing, quote unquote. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Well, let's uh let's get over to this quizage question. Okay. Eric, I know this is your this is getting you ready for Tuesday. It is. This is this is why we uh took Kyle's name uh for us for a for a game and transported it into our segment for the show. Uh, but people are really liking this, and actually, as you talked about, Micah, on last week, I actually did ask Twitter now. So we actually are, um, even though we were battling with each other, we are now battling the listeners or seeing if anybody comes up with it, and we're going to read them. So actually, yeah, here's the question uh, from last week that was decided. It says, What famous Witches and Wizards cards does Ron say that he is missing? In book one. Mm-hmm. And this is on the train, right? When he's on his way in with Harry? Yep. So Harry gets Dumbledore and says, I've got Dumbledore. And Ron's like, I've got an hundred myself or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's missing Agrippa and Ptolemy. Agrippa and Ptolemy. Mm-hmm. That was the correct answer. And I believe the first person to get it correct was Samantha Andor at Space Explorer Sam on Twitter. Dun, 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 dun. Well, you should add her to your team on Tuesday night. Have her as a yes. phone a friend if she's not uh, in Chicago. It actually says she's in Boston, uh, and she's a full-time physics undergrad and part-time YouTuber, so she doesn't have time for us. <laughs> um, for Harry Potter Encyclopedia the Musical, I'll make S about you. S, S about Oh. Is for Samantha. Space Explorer Sam. So what is, is next week's smart. question? Next week's question. Give me a book. Uh, book two. Five. Book, book two. <laughs> there is no five. He only has one to three. One to three. One. Okay. Uh, what did uh, What did Harry say to open up the wall of snakes while in the chamber? Open so we'll get that up on Twitter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, let's move on to. We have a couple emails. We we have a we have one email. We have one text message. Since I I mentioned the texting feature of our voicemail line, we've started getting text messages. <laughs> <laughs> but first of all, this email is from Riley. She says, "Hello, MuggleCast. My name is Riley, and I am as old as the show, meaning she's twelve, twelve or thirteen. <laughs> God." I've been We're listening. old guys. I've been listening since episode 327, and I've sent at least five emails already, none of which have been read on the show. Thanks for breaking a little girl's heart, Andrew. Well, here you go, Riley. <laughs> anyway, I think that Fantastic Beast 2 will have Newt's backstory explained. Here's what I think it will be. Newt goes to Hogwarts to ask Dumbledore for help when he sees a heart scratched into a wall, and a flashback begins. Young Newt and Lita are scratching the same image on the wall when a teacher shows up and asks to see them in his office. He then accuses them of releasing a Jarvie in Greenhouse 10. Newt takes all the blame while Lita is the real culprit. Because Lita is feeling so guilty, she doesn't want to be around Newt and be reminded of her guilt. (laughs) Newt doesn't know this, and he thinks that she has turned bitter towards him. The flashback ends with Newt being expelled. He is snapped out of this reverie. 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 Wow. 
this little girl knows more than I do in terms of the English language. When Dumbledore begins talking, <laughs> that is what I think Newt's backstory will be. So, uh, essentially an explanation of the Lita backstory, but through flashback. We're definitely getting a flashback, I think, to Hogwarts. We know they're filming Hogwarts scenes with a younger Newt, even an even younger Dumbledore. Oh, Wow. Right? That casting, remember? Yeah. I, I don't remember specifically that the Hogwarts location filming was with younger actors. Well, we don't know that, but... Oh. But if they're casting these even younger roles... Oh, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, where else would they be? It's not like they'll be in Paris when they're, like, 13. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good point. And by the way, we want to mention... We love getting your emails sent in, but please try to keep them as short as possible. We'll we read them all, but the longer ones we can't read on the air because to truncate just to like mm-hmm. fit truncate, it in with the group. And then there's this pressure to like get everything that you wanted across on air. So please keep them as short as possible. Two or three paragraphs if you want it right on the air would be the absolute max. But like the the length that Riley provided us, that was that was a good size email to read. Well so done, just keep Riley. that in mind. And here's our first ever text message that we're reading on air. <laughs> it's from Adriana. Hey MuggleCast, longtime listener, original pickle pack member here. I hey. lost my shirt though, sad face. I was listening to episode three three eight and Kyle was confused about his Patronus, a bay stallion. Bay is a color of horse. Is it color or horse? Color of horse? Mm. I think Brown that's coat yeah, with, what she means. Darn you, autocorrect. <laughs> Brown coat with black mane, tail, and points. If the stallion actively lives by the bay, that's just a bonus. Oh, also man. to Andrew, you mentioned several times on previous episodes that you went to midnight release parties in Ocean City, New Jersey. That happened to be where my first release party was, the old Atlantic bookstore on Boardwalk near 9th. There may be seven people there in total. I hadn't thought to bring my robes. Keep up the great podcast. Adriana, we probably went to the same... Midnight release party because I went to Atlantic Bookstore near Ninth on Boardwalk as well. What? That was the one. Worlds there collide. Like two, there was like two bookstores up on the Boardwalk, and I'm sad to report they're not there anymore. Ugh, major bummer. Well, it doesn't seem like they were well attended, even for a Harry Potter book release. Oh yeah, it's uh, yeah, I guess seven people. Adriana and I were trendsetters. I mean, I literally have a picture, and I'll have to post this of. Myself waiting at Atlantic Bookstores for Goblet of Fire, and there's only like seven or eight people there. Adriana, oh maybe you're in the photo. Adriana, you're there for <laughs> Goblet of Fire. It's quite that possible. That would be really creepy. Yeah, and cool, and cool. Let us listen to a couple voicemails now. We've been promising these for a while. Here's our first one. Cast, this is Stephanie Martin calling from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I was listening to the Quizich episode on my way home from work today, and I became fascinated by Kyle's question regarding the line, quote, dull gray Tuesday, our story begins. Not necessarily because of the narrator, but because of the word Tuesday. When I got home, I did some research. <laughs> it turns out that the day that Harry's parents were killed, October 31st, 1981, is actually a Saturday. At first, I thought that the lapse from Saturday to Tuesday was maybe purposeful. Perhaps the ministry was investigating or something. But no. On page 12 of the paperback Sorcerer's Stone, McGonagall says, quote, 
What they're saying is that last night, Voldemort turned up in Godric's Hollow. So, for Professor McGonagall, Tuesday is supposed to be November 1st, 1981, which is factually inconsistent with the day of the week for that date. It should be a Sunday. Anyway, I was super excited to geek out and do that research, even though I'm sure that some sharp-eyed Ravenclaw has already spotted it. Thanks to you guys and to Kyle for encouraging such a close reading of the text, and I can't wait for your next episode. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, Stephanie. Found a little mistake there. Yeah. That was very well spoken, though, by the way. I don't I don't think I could... I could barely do this show without screwing up. I don't think I could leave a voicemail like that as like organized as she was. It's true. The, the, the words she used and the intonation and the way they fit together is something I'm jealous of, too. I think she was working off of a script, not to ruin her secret, but well, I, if so, it she's seemed got to me like she was reading. <laughs> Which is smart to do because it's in voicemail, live to tape. We're not going to edit you. No, but uh, but Tuesday to Saturday, yeah, it's um the HP timeline, like the established and later canonized by Joe HP timeline, doesn't always work out for days of the week, unfortunately. So I think it's it's just an error. It's not that there are like a missing three days necessarily, although there is a missing day, uh, mm-hmm. which is a huge. You can find it on all the old Harry Potter forums talking about how Harry's parents died at night and Hagrid delivers Harry to Dumbledore at night. So what happened that entire day? Yeah. I think that's what it is. Um, but, um, but yeah, so Tuesday, Sunday, it's happy days. It's fun. Happy days. What By the way, day? we get a lot of positive feedback about that Kyle episode. So good job, Kyle. We can have him back. Everybody loves your episode. People want to follow him on Twitter. Which is Hufflepuff Teach, by the way, and that's his username if you want yeah, to follow him. Fellow teachers, I know we're interested in connecting with him. Here's our next voicemail. This is a sweet one. Hey, MuggleCast. This is Diane from Toronto. Uh, recent listener. I just started listening about maybe two weeks ago, and I am freaking loving it. What a great podcast. I've always wanted... I, I don't know. I don't... I've always wanted a Harry Potter podcast. I just never knew that I wanted it or needed it. Uh, and I was recently on the train, and uh, I saw a lady reading The Goblet of Fire, and so I started talking to her, and it turns out that that was the first time that she had ever read the book. Um, and she had she started reading uh, the entire series to her son, who was about five years old, and she just got addicted to it, so I told her about your podcast and that was that I have to say that the podcast is really helping me right now when I've I've recently quit my job feeling a little down and just having this on while I'm painting is fantastic so thank you so much for what you're doing you guys are all doing a great job alright have a great day manage spilled some coffee off my hand all right, <laughs> got some coffee on my hand. All right, well, that was sweet. Thank you, Diane. Thank um, you. We always love to hear how the show is helping people. Well, and the fact that she recommended us to a random person on the it's it's interesting how yes. easy conversation can start between people when it. I guess it's around any subject, but particularly around Potter, I think people feel more comfortable going up to somebody who's sitting there reading the book and then you find out that she is actually reading this book to her her son and and so Diane turns around and makes a recommendation oh well you should maybe give a listen to this podcast as well yeah yeah 
Okay, here's our next voicemail. Hi, MuggleCast. My name is Simon Quintel, and I live in a small town in Ontario called Guelph. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. But I just want to say I'm a big fan of your show. I've been listening to it about a year now, and I've been liking Harry Potter for about three years now. But lots of my friends still tell me stuff like, you know, you don't know this, you don't know how old Dumbledore is, blah, 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 and stuff like that. <laughs> so, yeah. I just wanted to call in because this is the first time doing this. So I just wanted to ask you a few questions. One is, what's your favorite character? Two, um, uh, I forgot, but what houses are you in? And three, uh, what's your favorite Harry Potter book? Thank you. And uh, keep on doing your show. It's really awesome. Bye. Favorite book, favorite character, favorite book, Order of the Phoenix. Favorite character, Dumbledore. Uh, house, I'm currently a Slytherin. <laughs> we will see if I If remain. that changes. Yes, in the new year. You guys? Uh, for me, um, favorite book, Prisoner of Azkaban. Favorite character, Remus Lupin. And then Ravenclaw. Uh, favorite book, Prisoner of Azkaban. Favorite character, Sirius Black. Uh, and uh, House Hufflepuff. Okay. That was a cute voicemail. That was very cute. A lot of listeners in Toronto. Or, sorry, in Canada. Yeah. Canadian. Here's our next one. Last one. Hey, y'all. Hey. My name is Emily, and I just wanted to call in and let y'all know how much I enjoy listening to your podcast. Um, I probably started listening maybe about a year ago. I am a runner, and I used to listen to all the Harry Potter audiobooks on my runs. But after hearing each one upwards of seven times, I decided to try a podcast. (laughs) So listening to y'all, it got me through the Boston Marathon training uh, and a lot of long miles. I'm sure the whole town of Nashville, well, North Carolina, (laughs) they probably think I'm crazy. Because I listen to y'all with it just in my sports bra, so all of Nashville hears y'all yelling out loud. But I just wanted to say, keep up the good work. Thanks. So if I understand this, she listened when she's running, she puts her phone in her sports bra, does not plug in headphones, I guess because the wires are bouncing and, and it's just they just get in the way. And so she just listens out loud. Uh, your phone. Yeah. You know, we should hire people to run around with MuggleCast playing through their phones. Loudly, yeah. Into public. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Keep running. Keep going, Emily. This is fantastic, hearing about this. Like, Emily, like, I would love one day to be physically fit enough to complete a marathon, um, and I want to get into running. So it's just fantastic to hear that somebody who is so active and able to train and is, um, what's the word? Disciplined enough, yeah. uh, is, is also a listener of our show. Yeah. So well, I Eric, can't imagine running to a podcast or an audiobook. I need music to pump me up. Not yeah, people yeah. talking. Don't Eric, uh, Andrew, don't discourage people from, <laughs> no, uh, no, I'm just saying my personal opinion is, uh, I need music. Yeah. We just need higher BPM, not that stuff you found for well, today's music. Eric, when when you do train for your your first marathon, I think that you should also put your favorite podcast inside your sports bra and uh, <laughs> take some photos for us. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. That's that's uh, cool. Thank you, Emily, for sh- 
letting us know how you listen to the show. And seven times with the audiobooks. Damn. <laughs> you come with a run over here for Harry Potter trivia night. Oh, yeah. Help us uh, out. Although it is all sold out, like I said. Well, she can join our team. I, I'll no, kick. We have a, you got to kick ki- your friend off. No, I'll kick one of the sisters out. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'll kick my friend out. Thanks, everybody, for listening. It's been a fun episode. Uh, we're going to record a bonus MuggleCast right after this. What are we talking about, Eric? We are talking... So I, I mentioned Sirius Black. The, we we were originally going to talk about uh, an event from Prisoner of Azkaban. Again, because the illustrated edition is out, um, Andrew was thinking, hey, we should do like, uh, I don't know, Prisoner of Azkaban POA deep related. dive of sorts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See what we can do. Um, so for bonus MuggleCast, it's a great one. We're going to be talking about an event that I forgot occurred in the Harry Potter books. Uh, the prank that Sirius plays on Snape involving Lupin and the Shrieking Shack and the Whomping Willow and all that stuff as detailed in the chapter Cat, Rat, and Dog. Okay. If you would like to be one of the people who calls in and has your voicemail played on the show, you can dial one nine two zero three muggle that's one nine two zero three six eight four four five three. You can also text that number if you would like to send us a message that way. You can also email mugglecast at gmail.com or use the contact form on the website. Just remember, if you're writing a message, keep it as short as possible if you want us to read it on the air. A paragraph or two would be ideal. And then if you want to be limited... If you want to be forced to keep your message as concise as possible, maybe you should tweet us. Twitter.com slash MuggleCast or just at MuggleCast if you're composing a tweet. If you have that new 280 character limit on Twitter, Ugh. that gives you a little more room to work with. I don't have that yet. I'm jealous. No, they gave it to verified accounts first. Like, Isn't Andrew and- verified? No. I thought you were on for Twitter. On Twitter, I'm not cool enough. We would also love your support over on Patreon, patreon.com slash MuggleCast. Thanks to everybody who's listening live right now. You also get ad-free versions of the podcast. You get signed album art. You get access to our exclusive Facebook group. You can help shape um, discussions that we do here on the show. We'll send you stickers. You also have the opportunity to co-host MuggleCast. We'll get somebody on for our next episode. Patreon.com slash MuggleCast. It is why the show is weekly. That's true. So we're going to wrap it up here and get recording bonus MuggleCast. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We appreciate your support. So much to talk about in the weeks ahead as more books are released, as these as as uh, Chris Child tickets go on sale. Look forward to doing it all. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. And I'm Micah. See you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.